This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Everybody. Welcome to 2017, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Arkins, and uh, I'm back. We're back after a two-week hiatus, and I hope those of you that listen to the show regularly enjoyed the year-end podcast that we left with a bang on. That was a, a two, two-hour and ten-minute banger of a podcast. It was a lot of fun, and I, uh, I was really appreciative of my friends, as always, for joining me on the show and uh, talking about our favorite records of the year, because that's just fun to talk about music. You know, for an hour or two, just to be like, hey, this record's really good, and this is why. So, I hope that some of you got that uh, got that enjoyment out of it. But to the guest this week is James McKean. He is the vocalist for a band called Departures. They're based out of Scotland. They are a melodic hardcore band, and they are so damn good. Speaking of the best of 2016, their record, Death Touches Us from the Moment We Begin to Live. I'm fairly certain I got that right, but if I didn't, I apologize, James. Um, that record came out last year and it was so good. I want to say it was like my fourth or fifth best record of the year. And, um, this band just needs to be heard by more people. That's exactly why I am doing this. And, um, yeah, plus I just want to get to know uh, James a little bit more and I hope that you get endeared to James and then want to check out his band and just like fall so deeply in love with it as I have. So that is uh, what James has got going on, and what I have going on personally is I have to thank you from the bottom of my my soul, not just my heart, but my soul. Thank you so much to everybody who has reached out to me in support of what I'm going through currently. For those of you that are unaware, or maybe this is your first time listening to the show, and uh, if it is, then awesome. I'll fill you in on some stuff. <laughs> my Late last year, my wife got diagnosed with cancer. And, um, you know, that's a brutal thing. And, uh, I wasn't about to not talk about that on the show because that would feel really weird if I wasn't sharing this huge part of my life with, uh, you, the listener who spend, you know, at least an hour a week with me. And so many people reach out and frankly, I feel bad because I haven't been able to write back to everybody who has, uh, either written into the show or Facebook messaged me or whatever. I just really appreciate it. It makes me feel, um, you know, connected to the music scene at large because, uh, you know, many of you are echoing either similar experiences that you've gone through and it just makes me feel, um, you know, frankly less alone and I love it. So, uh, my wife is currently going through chemo. She's doing amazing. And, uh, just to be in the presence of that sort of like courage, uh, you know, I know that sounds like a cliche where it's like every person that has ever been affected by cancer is always like, Oh, people are strong and blah, blah, blah. But it's like to watch it, up close and personal is, um, is totally inspiring. I just, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly humbled and I, I am, I tell her all the time, I'm so proud of her for uh, how she's handling this. So anyways, but thank you so much to those of you who have reached out because, um, yeah, this show is, uh, important to me and I'm glad it's important to you and it's important enough to you that you actually care about me as a human being. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate that. 
and uh, kind of switching switching tones here, but something that I uh, was very, very excited to talk about is a service. So you like records probably, right? Like you probably buy vinyl in some capacity and you like genres of music. So how about take the guesswork out of it? So table-turn.com, what they do is they ship a record a month to you of a certain genre of music that you enjoy. So you're like, yo, I'm super tapped into emo. Like just show me all of the emo bands possible. What they will do is they will lovingly curate and send a package to you that's like, hey, here's this great band that you might not have heard of from this record label who you really enjoy. And uh, it, like I said, it takes a guesswork out of it. It's basically a best friend that will send you one record a month. That's the, way, the best way to view it. So please visit table-turn.com and enjoy their service because, uh, yeah, I am going to become a subscriber very, very shortly. They've sent me a package once and I love what they do. And plus... The guy's a listener of the show. He's been, uh, you know, doing this for a while, trying to build up momentum and get the word out. So uh, that's what I'm helping him do. So table-churn.com. Please check him out. And like I said, James McKean, he is the vocalist for Departures. And um, I actually make fun of him in the interview because not a lot of, he hasn't done a ton of interviews. Uh, a lot of people tend to gravitate towards uh, Danny, who actually I did initially. Uh, he is the guitarist for Departures, and I spoke to him maybe about two years or so ago. So dive back into the archives and you can find that episode. But um, yeah, James is an incredibly insightful individual, and uh, I had a really, really great time speaking to him. So um, yeah, we talk about Brexit. Like, I didn't think I'd be talking about Brexit to anybody, but he, I was like, oh, hey, he probably has a unique take on this. So uh, that's what we did. But anyways, uh, sorry, I know this is long winded, but uh, that's what happens. You give me two weeks off. I don't get to talk to you fine people. And then I'm just kind of sitting here being like, oh, man, I can't wait to talk to you. <laughs> anyways, here's my discussion with James. And uh, I'll see you after the You know, I, I just, I get so obsessed with certain bands and like your band was 100% one of them where it was like, just because I, I still find that joy and I'm sure that you do as well, where you, you know, you find a band and you feel like it's like your own, you feel like it speaks to yeah. you and it's just like, oh man. And so I immediately like, even though I obviously knew none of you, I just felt like I already knew you. Like I had such like a kinship with you guys, even though we had never met or spoken at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I definitely think it's very um, unique to people that obviously like create stuff and obviously put it out there that there is this sort of one-sided relationship where, you know, like I, just like I did with you, where I was just like, James, I fucking love your band. Like, God damn it. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> dude, you know, does that, uh, you know, is that obviously in some respects, I'm sure it's cool for you, but then is that, uh, you know, disarming in any way to you or is it just kind of like, wow, I can't even believe you care about this. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like, why, why, <laughs> why is he, why does someone care about that? But then obviously I've been, I, I do that myself, obviously. And I've sort of, uh, I find a band or something and I just have to know everything about that band immediately or I don't know an artist anything um, yeah but it's very weird when someone it's something that we sort of create and someone cares about it sort of out of the blue if that makes sense that's kind of weird isn't it right especially too where it's like I think that people that obviously have realistic expectations about the art that they create and then it's yeah. like 
then obviously like any especially when you're talking about like distances and like oh my gosh like why do people in america care about my <laughs> little band from scotland or whatever you know it's like i'm sure yeah. i'm sure that's a weird thing where it's like i'm sure kids obviously email and hit you up on social media being like hey would you come to the united states yeah that's so insane that's so insane you get lots of that and even like just like indonesia and stuff like that it's like yeah come and play indonesia i'm like well we'd, we'd love to do that uh but getting the actual opportunity to do that and it's kind of like yeah can't quite go about doing that um right it's kind of the logistics i mean our band's a nightmare anyway but but yeah it's, it's it is very strange having people from uh corners of the earth saying we, we love your band like this thing that we've made like people are really into it. it's very strange Right, right. I, I always, I always feel like turning around that question for people that obviously have the requests of like, "Hey, come play!" Like you almost want, you almost want to ask them like, "Hey, do do you book shows?" Like, do you? I know it's so rude, though, isn't it? Like, it's kind of uh, like, yeah, we would if we could, but it's just not something. Yeah, come and play in California, okay? Yeah, <laughs> but can you make that happen for us? please and right. then yes we will do that totally, totally like hey do you if you don't know anybody can you put us in touch with somebody maybe we'd be able yeah. to talk to them and like figure it out but yeah yeah <laughs> um i I, ha- I have such a limited understanding of scotland i basically i have a very american understanding of of scotland in general i mean beyond the fact you have beyond you have willie from uh, simpsons right that's enough <laughs> totally we have all the you know stereotypical archetypes of what Scottish people are, um, and then obviously, uh, you know, from the perspective, from my perspective, I you know love golf, and obviously, golf was you know it's still a huge part of your country. But um, so, anyways, with those two things being said, I know nothing about your country. <laughs> so, like, is it, <laughs> is it is it one of those things where you know how is your experience? Obviously, you know, being Scottish, and I mean, obviously, you know, no different because that's primarily where yeah. you've lived. But um, you know, is it? Uh, you know, how, I guess, how do you describe it to an outsider, so to speak? Ah, uh, being Scottish. Uh, it's very... Hmm, trying to think. Uh, it's quite... I don't know, it, it, it feels a lot different from from when I've sort of been in England or Wales, actually. I think I've only been in Wales once for one gig in Swansea. Um, but there's great pride in being Scottish but uh, without the sort of like say you have the sort of English Defence League yeah and they take pride in being English but uh, with that comes a sort of hatred of everything else and for me being Scottish and I was sort of uh, I like the prospect of having an independent Scotland um but uh, I don't know. It's very, it's very difficult. I think <laughs> to put into words. No, I, um, I, I mean, but, I, but it's kind of pride. It's pride in being Scottish, but not sort of. You, you're not against anything else. We, we have this sort of rivalry with England, but it's kind. It's not. It's not super serious. It's not. I mean, well, it, it is for some people, but it isn't for me because I know a lot of English people, and I, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate them because they're English. Whereas some people who are Scottish might just. Hate English people and vice versa. Right, right. Well, I I find it so interesting too because obviously speaking from a very American point of view, like you know, we there's so many things in our country that obviously we're you know proud of, and then 
the idea that it's like, well, dude, our country is a child. We're an infant. <laughs> yeah. Compared, like, I mean, even when you go to different places, you know, in America, like, I mean, obviously California is just like, oh, yeah, we're like, you know, 300 years old. And like, that's great. But then you go to like any other place in the country and it's like, <laughs> Oh, oh! So this is what buildings looked like that were, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously you travel anywhere outside of America, and it's like, oh, so this is like how old? Like ten thousand years old, and it's still standing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, does that that sort of like uh, I guess historicalness kind of like seep through to you, um, whether it's directly or indirectly recognized by you? Yeah, I, I certainly feel it. Well, I'm a well. I'm a historian, but I, I'm currently doing a, a PhD, uh, a history PhD, and and it is about sort of built heritage and what that means to people. Uh, and for me, I, th- I think, and because we're such a small country as well, there's only like five or six million of us, or something like that. Uh, and I think London has like eight or nine million. So, <laughs> so for a country as, as small as we are, uh, I think all that sort of stuff is quite in your face quite a lot of I mean especially if you take time to notice it there's because I suppose we're quite um, there is a lot of heritage surrounding us if we actually wanted to look at it like if you just walk around Glasgow itself like the the buildings some of the buildings are, are so old but again you might not even notice that if uh, if someone didn't really point it out to you because you'd be too busy probably staring at your phone or something right. <laughs> which I do all the time anyway. right if you're, yeah if you're not paying attention you just kind of miss it um, and then specifically for you like where uh, were you were you born and raised in Glasgow or other were there surrounding sort of suburbs or something I uh, know sort of uh, about half an hour outside of Glasgow uh, and about the same from Edinburgh uh, I'm from Falkirk which is uh, sort of in the middle of those two uh, it's quite small. It's not. I mean, it's not that small. It's like you know, thirty thousand people. But then the sort of outlying areas. There's like uh, there's lots of different other places that make up what Falkirk is. So it's, it's quite. I mean, it's small. It's small in the grand scheme of things. But uh, it's it's not like a one horse town or anything like that. Right. Right. Um, and what, what was your family structure like? Brothers and sisters, mother and father in the house? How did it break down? Uh, yeah, I've got two. I've got two older sisters. Uh, I've got two older sisters, uh, mum and dad, and they've uh, been together the whole time. Like, I've got a lot of friends where the um, mum and dad have divorced and stuff, but um, always had a very had a very good sort of a very good privileged sort of upbringing. Well, not privileged, but certainly not solid. Um, yeah, solid. Yeah, privileged in the fact that we're all together, sort of thing. Join right, and you're and you're the cute baby of the group. <laughs> I am the cute, annoying brother, which I think is where I got my look at me, very sort of Mark <laughs> Simpson esque. Yeah, me, I'm annoying. There's there's lots of home videos of uh, my sisters get, getting ready to go to school. I think it's Louise's first day or something, and I'm like doing a handstand and on a on a couch in the background. So, yes, look at me. I'm a small child. So, yeah, I kind of always had that about me. I think. No, that's funny. I, I didn't really think about it. I guess from the youngest perspective, because usually you know the youngest child obviously like quote unquote gets away with murder, where they can that's, kind of. Yeah. So did I you see that? I think. Yeah. Did Did you get away with murder? <laughs> kind of. I think. Um, both my parents have just been so supportive of anything I've ever wanted to do. Really, like. Pretty much, uh, but 
but yeah, I would get away with being the the, the annoying, <laughs> the annoying wee brother, right? Yeah, for being Scottish about it, <laughs> right? I I also didn't think about it from the perspective of like, yeah, you obviously since you're you know the last on the scene, you do have to do, yeah. you do have to do a lot in order to be like. Hey guys, like I'm over here. I, I, I know, I know you're used to like your lives, how they're like, but like, how about me? How about me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. So there's not like too much of a difference in age between us all, but yeah, I was like the, the annoying, petulant young one. But uh, right. And so, what what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you were, uh, you know, growing up in? Uh, so l- let me let me see if I get the terminology right. So, you, you, do you do primary school over there? Is that what it's called? Or uh, primary school? Yeah. Okay. So, like in and primary, that's kind of like grades, uh, you know, one through six, I guess, or one through five. Uh, one through seven. Okay. One seven primary one seven. Um, and then you have, and then do you do? I can't remember what you call high school. High school, Is I think. It, yeah, yeah. Because I've listened to a couple of you. Podcast, it's kind of secondary, but I was definitely high school because I was like I went to uh, Saint Saint Mungo's High School and there's like Falkirk High School and stuff like that. So, and that is uh, first year to sixth year. Okay, got it. Um, and so, did you, uh, you know, like what kind of kid did you find yourself being? Were you, uh, you know, a sports dude? Were you, uh, you know, indoor kid? Where, oh, where did you man. find yourself? Well, I'm kind of a mix of a lot of things because uh, in like primary seven, like the last year of primary school, I was into sort of football. Uh, I was on the uh, like soccer team. I was about to say, let's clarify. Uh, let's clarify. We're not talking, yeah, we're not talking soccer. American football here. Yeah. <laughs> not talking American football. Right. I watch the Super Bowl once a year and that's it. <laughs> um, no, just, uh, yeah, so um, football was kind of in that team. Uh, but I mean, I was a total geek, like just a, such a geek, and not in that cool way. Like I am essentially blind. I don't. My eyesight is the most terrible eyesight, and I, I've worn, I have worn big thick glasses, and did so up until like second year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of the like tried to get them as thin as possible, but I am like pretty much visually impaired <laughs> without them uh, and then I got contact lenses but yeah so it was kind of like um, wee bit sort of bullied a bit maybe first year second year I also was in I mean I didn't really help myself with some of the hobbies that I took up I mean I did do football but then when I didn't get into uh, I, I, I failed to get into the foot, football team at high school uh, but I, jo- I joined the children's theatre which is a sort of Falkirk group right. who, do a, who, do, who do a pantomime every year that was broadcast on television uh, I was just in the just the chorus line I did one year because I was kind of bullied out, not bullied out of it but I did it but I took a lot of shit for it so I was like Oh, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> right, right, right. So you you were you were bullied. I mean, you you were kind of made fun of for being in that group, and that was kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, you know, you came, music. I, right. I, I, you, you came to peer. Was, you came to peer pressure. Kind of, yeah, a little bit. But then I joined the Scouts in, <laughs> in second year, uh-huh. and well, I don't regret that at all. Scouts was amazing. Like it was really good. But uh, and I got a lot of shit for that as well. Wow. No matter no matter where you went, kids were like, oh. "Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah." Billy well, him. That's it, it, it is interesting when you start to 
obviously uh, not only care about other people's opinions, but like notice that they have a problem with what you're doing. It's it's like so it's so weird because like you, you know obviously you're you're a kid and like you're just like doing stuff because either your parents make you or like you're semi interested in it. And yeah. It, and then it's like it's so foreign. Like I I so flash back to the first time where it was like someone made fun of me for being like fat and like. I'll never and like I, I'm not a huge dude but like yeah it's like yeah I don't have washboard abs like I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> but it, it like I so distinctly remember that moment and just being like oh so people have a problem with, with what, what what I look like and it's so yeah. it's so weird when you're just like listen I just want to fucking sing in a chorus line and I can <laughs> Let me live my musical dream. Leave, leave me alone. I know, I know. Well, that was that was squashed. The best. I, I mean, I still love musicals, but no. Yeah, but then you actually, it's funny you say that because in uh, you know in one of the one of your videos, obviously you're wearing a Les Misérables shirt, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like, e- either that's ironic or that's just like, you, oh no, you love it. Okay. Oh, love it. So, so you, obsessed. Okay. Would you, would you say you're more, uh, I guess, defined by like as uh, not defined by, but like you enjoy more like theater, obviously like musical theater, musical theater is where you, you like the most. Um, no, sort of, no kind of, I, I like, a, I like a lot of things. This is one of the many facets of things that I enjoy. Uh, I mean, obviously I tried to, <laughs> tried to get into that, but that, that didn't work. Um, but I do like, I enjoy, I still like listening to stuff and that uh, have no, absolutely no shame about doing that at all. Right. So what what are some of your uh, you know give me your top three sort of musicals? Obviously Les Miserables, I presume is that. Oh, Les Mis, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, of course. So good. Uh, got to be uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Nice. Having that. Oh yeah. Have you also I mean I like lots of other songs. But yeah, those are sort of main ones I think. Sure. Well I do think that there is something that's unique about kids i guess getting into that stuff because it's so um yeah it's obviously not like you have to be introduced to it you know it's obviously not played on the radio it's like usually your parents have to be kind of yeah. like, oh listen to this like just because it's either in the car or whatever and you do get you know it like even though you're forced to listen to it like your ears perk up because you're just like huh like there's a story yeah. there's a story <laughs> and there's like yeah what's going on yeah right right yeah i was th- i was the same way with phantom of the opera like that oh know, yes it's, it, it's such a dark and fucked up story but yet so beautiful and heartbreaking and yeah it's just great yeah it's just, yeah it's the same with um Lemis as well it's pretty much the most depressing story you could tell right but just people singing all the way through it. I think my, my mom couldn't believe that the, that they would be able to like. She'd read the book. And she's like, "There's no way this musical can be any good." But then uh, we all went, and she was like, "That's just brilliant." I, I, it was. Um, the, 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 I'm just talking about musicals. That's fine. The sound of music was kind of like the one that uh, introduced me to it all. Like, I as a child, we would would sit and watch that. I don't know how many times I've watched that musical. That's mm-hmm. like. Uh, that that's that is the one. That's like the one uh, that sort of introduced me to all of that. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not wildly into musicals, but I do. I'm just yeah. No, I I think it's <laughs> I, I think it's great because it is. Uh, like I said, it is unique to be not only shown it, but then obviously gravitate towards it. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, obviously as you started to you know get more comfortable in your own skin, or maybe not even comfortable, but just like develop you know kind of who you were and stuff like that when did independent music like how did that enter your life because you know i get 
I, obviously, I get the impression that you know uh, Scotland is obviously a uh, you know a large city, and it, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on there. But I don't get the impression that there's obviously been this like great DIY culture that's always existed there. Um, mm. But I mean, at the same time, I, I'm I'm willing to be uh, <laughs> contradicted on that. So, like, how did you get introduced to it? Um, well, first off, to get like just get into alternative music itself. Um, Estelle, my older sister, she was always into sort of uh, cool indie music and all that sort of stuff. And she'd been to see The Offspring, uh, it's like 1999 or something like that. And then she had like a poster up. I mean, she always had interesting posters up. Um, and I think, I can't remember what CD it was. There was uh, Rage Against the Machine definitely was, was one of the doorways into it, as well as Deftones as well. Um, I I also I would also listen to Louise's CDs as well. She was she was more into sort of pop music and stuff. I still unapologetically love all pop music. Um, but as far as sort of uh, independent music and sort of uh, music, it was definitely uh, Stell's influence. It's it's kind of like the 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 free gateway. I, I think if I had a um, I think if I was a, a, an only child. Maybe that may have been a bit more difficult to get in, so it's kind of like a free pass, isn't it? Well, yeah, you definitely uh, inherit the uh, luxury of being like, oh, I can seep whatever knowledge, I- especially yeah. <laughs> especially if you have more than one sibling, where it's just like, oh, I'll take a little bit of them, I'll take a yeah, little so bit of harvesting them. all the music, right, right, right. Um, and so then, like, did you immediately start gravitating towards that that stuff, or was it something that was a kind of a you know a gradual evolution into it? Uh, I think no. I think that um, I can't remember where it was. One of the main sort of flashpoints was when uh, Slipknot was on a program called TFI Friday, which is sort of like uh, it sort of defines nineties sort of Brit television, Brit pop sort of television, and uh, Chris Evans, not not that one. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, like there's something that we're on it. I can't remember. I don't know if it was nineteen ninety nine or two thousand or something. And it was insane. It was it was a talking point for like weeks after. Um, and I think that was one of the ones. I was like, what's what's that? And uh, and then um, just sort of reading Kerrang, anything that in Kerrang, I would <laughs> I would listen to that. Like, oh, what's this? Like, um, but yeah, mainly sort of. There was a point uh, Estelle had given me Deftone, a Deftones record. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it would be White Pony. And I'd listen to music when going to sleep. And I put White Pony on. I think Elite came on. It was like the third track. Like I got out of bed. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what, what, what is this? I'm having that. Right. Uh, and that was sort of like a main point of, well, I, would, I like this music. Right. And did you uh, did you attempt to like start obviously going to like concerts and shows and stuff like that? Um, not not really not not for not for a good sort of while. I mean, I went to like lots of different gigs. Like the gig, I think even Danny mentioned it when he was on here. It's like a Green Day concert, the SECC. I think everyone that was in our scene in Glasgow like went to that concert and it sort of cha- changed everyone's <laughs> life universally. Right. Um, it was like the um, the warning tour. I think it was that the warning. What was it? Um, and everyone went to that and then there was offspring in 
the January following that, it was like 2001, and AFI supported and sort of blew, blew everyone's minds. Um, I just, I love that, I love that notion because it's like, you know, obviously people, you know, from different areas can point to like seminal concerts or shows or whatever, um, but it's like, it, it's even more reflective over, you know, a band from the States traveling to play like you have no choice but to go you're like even if you like don't like green day at all you'd be like i gotta i gotta fucking go to this thing yeah yeah and i think everyone just sort of like people a bit younger but everyone it's just it's just the one that everyone went to and then sort of uh sparked something in everyone i think everyone started bands (laughs) i would think so good so good um so when did uh when did bands start to obviously, um, you know, like, did you have it? I like you obviously mentioned you had a desire to perform in some capacity, obviously, but you know, the, your love for musicals and that sort of stuff. And obviously, yeah, yeah obviously being a, uh, uh, you know, a, an annoying little child. Yes. Um, so like, when did, uh, did the idea of like playing in bands come up like, you know, in high school, like how did that, uh, you know, kind of enter your head? Yeah, a little bit in high school. I had, uh, I got a guitar, um, like an Epiphone Les Paul from, I think it was my Christmas or my birthday or something like that. And I would print out as many tabs as is humanly possible. I didn't really think about being in a band. I think I just wanted to play the guitar, really. Uh, I mean, uh, we'd all go to... (laughs) Falkirk had, like, its own, like, rock... It wasn't a club. It was essentially... Well, it was called The Engine Room. Uh, And every Friday we would all congregate there to watch the same sort of four bands in different order for like so many years but I mean that was brilliant Uh, but it didn't really occur to me that I wanted to be in a band maybe till I left high school actually Um, and it was when I went to uh, well what you would call a technical college I think I went to a local college Essentially, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to fill in a UCAS form, essentially, which is what would get you into university or what you would call ah, college. Sure, sure. Well, so is it is it like an application, basically? Like, kind of- yeah, it's a it's a really big application. It's not because I couldn't be bothered. I probably didn't think I'd, I've always had this sort of confidence issue, and I probably didn't think I was good enough to go to university or I needed to like know things before I got there or something but I knew I wanted to do something with music and they had a music and audio technology uh, HND and uh, I decided well I could do that I could probably get into do that and I did sure um, did your uh, did your I mean like you said your parents obviously were supportive over what oh so supportive yeah go and do music like <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did what what did they do for a living? Uh, my mum was a teacher. Okay. Uh, mum was uh, they're both retired now. Um, and my dad worked at uh, in the BP. It's like a um, he was a process operator. Sort of worked with the ships and stuff oh, like that. Wow. So like so, BP, like British Petroleum. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The the amazing company that ruined our shoreline. <laughs> just kidding. That's the very same. The very same. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so we we have your father to blame for all of the things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought I'd come. Up. I was like, oh, I'm going to say the BP. That's not going to be good. No, but okay. kind of like, I'd say fifty percent of everyone in the area sort of has someone or knows someone that works yeah. at the BP. Probably more than that because like. Um, 
for you that's like a place called Grangemouth it's like um, part of Falkirk but yeah it's where the BP is it's a huge massive refinery um, well it's in you know when you have industry towns it's like you know it's kind of inescapable where it's like yeah oh totally yeah I, I'm sure in certain respects it's like you you could have seen not like you wanted to but you could have seen yourself easily just like stepping into that and being like well it looks like I'm working working here for the factories yeah. or whatever yeah and I think I think well because my like or my mum is uh, always said that my dad hates working there. I mean, my dad is like the most intelligent person I know, mm-hmm. and he could have done absolutely anything. But I think maybe I don't know, just having children, having you know, it's like oh shit, I better right. <laughs> better get to do this job. And so I think he's just sort of like just to, like sort of provide rather than sort of live his dream as it were or something like that and I think from that mum's always been like just do something that you love doing with your life I think mm-hmm. sure. which is just amazingly supportive <laughs> of everything that I do really yeah no that's incredible especially when the, yeah the parents can have the foresight to kind of realize that like I mean ultimately your biggest job as a parent is to you know hopefully encourage and stoke your kids you know either imagination or whatever it is like you just yeah, yeah. I mean obviously to a point like if they're putting themselves in you know danger they're like oh like i really have a desire to be a drug dealer or something like that (laughs) there's probably there's probably safer avenues for you to explore but uh, become a pharmacist (laughs) yeah exactly work with work with legal drugs okay yes yeah that's fine yeah um i also get the impression too like i i just in regards to uh kind of what we were talking about in regards to u.s bands obviously coming over to you know play in the uk or obviously Mm. scotland in particular like that to me that seems like it it carried a lot of weight like like we were joking where you know there's no one that could miss that green day concert like was it a big deal when obviously these bands like came over and and played in your general area yeah pretty much like if um some bands might not come to Scotland. Uh, they, they kind of do now, but um, in the main, they wouldn't. And then, so it'd be kind of like a. It would be quite a big deal if you're. I don't know. Um, uh, well, loads of bands, lots of bands. But yeah, it was always it's always a bit of a a bit of an event, uh, especially if there were bigger bands. Again, one of the uh, bigger sort of gigs that everyone went to was. Um, it was Lincoln Park, Taproot, and Deftones. That was at the SEC as well, and that was around the, sort of the same time. And again, probably a touchstone for a lot of people who started getting into heavy music. And that was like the the show to be at. Oh, were you at the Deftones gig? It's like yes, yeah, yes, I was. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I just in the same way that like you know there are many people that share their experiences here on the show in regards to playing outside of major cities here in america where it's like you know when you play a show in uh valparaiso indiana it's every you know everybody that that is young comes to that show because they're just like dude there's nothing to do on a friday night i can't wait it's oh it's a band playing i don't know what they sound like doesn't matter um so yeah that's that's kind of the case uh, further up Scotland you go or like as far as like bands from down here see it like ever, like people just go to, go to a show rather than in Glasgow or Edinburgh or somewhere there's a show pretty much well not like a gig of some sort of happening every night so it's just sort of like uh, yeah but if you're go like Inverness or Wick or somewhere like that everyone will just come out plus they're a bit more 
mental up there anyway so right 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 that's funny um and so uh is, is departures your first band or did you have stuff that you did before this oh man i had so many bands oh like, I, I love it tell I'd me <laughs> tell, tell me more please <laughs> i'd say well mainly i thought um the first sort of band that i've been in a lot of bands that didn't play gigs but were bands for a while that doesn't make any sense but that is what happened uh, I was in a band called it was a band made to support Capdown at in, in Falkirk um, we didn't really I think we had about three practices um, we couldn't really work out who was going to sing so then that sort of fell apart um, I was in a band uh, the Yavin 4 it's a good name uh, again, I don't even know. I don't, yeah, I did practice a bit, but again, didn't play any shows. Uh, after that, uh, another band that I think we had, we practiced for about like a year or so, and again, didn't. Which was uh, with Rick, who was the original uh, bassist in Departures. Um, uh, but like that was so long before then, um, and then. In, and then I was in the fight back, which actually did things. Uh, they did a lot of um, good things. Nice. Before nice. before departures. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I imagine usually, obviously, I find. I mean, any, anytime I have a person on, and then like we're talking about their first bands, and that I usually, even before I ask the question, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> like this is probably your first band, like you know, whatever. It's like debut from AFI or like you know, Chris from Saves <laughs> a Day. I'm just like, God, dude, it's so <laughs> fucking weird. You didn't have any like horrible bands that you could point to and I know what's that that's that's I, I don't know how that can be a thing I was also in a band sorry with Rick and Danny uh, uh, it was sort of it was like a grindcore band um, <laughs> called My See Through Hero you having that wow that's good I like that My See yeah, I, that I, it was taken from like a Nora a Nora oh, look wow. <laughs> think of that deep cut deep cut I, yeah, yeah. I I actually I, there's no way that I ever would have guessed that that was a like grindcore band. I definitely would have been like, oh yeah, that's kind of like a you know early 2000s sort of metalcore ish vibe. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're, no. you're inventive stylistically. Good job, James. Yeah. <laughs> I was also in a, a band that played. It was that that was a grind band that played one show, um, and with a band called. Uh, coexist in Dundee uh, it's just uh, we essentially made it up on the spot really but uh, we also did a cover of Napalm Death's it's a, The Kill or something like that it lasts for all of two seconds um, and uh, one of the members of coexist text someone in Napalm Death to tell them that they just heard the worst version of that song they'd ever heard so <laughs> that's amazing that's pretty decent yeah you're like <laughs> we, we, we've made our indelible mark on this country yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's good. Uh, but uh, th- that was when I was in um, uh, the fight back, which is before departures. Got it. Which was like a sort of well, we went through lots of things, but um, youth crew, kind of, but then a bit more faded grey sort of turning point type thing. 
Wow. Just the fact that you mentioned Faded Gray, it it just, I don't know, it just makes me happy because it's like, yes, we used to do a Faded Gray cover. Holy shit. Well, I will will absolutely let Lance the singer know because he's a good friend and (laughs) his mind would be blown just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? We once did a a, uh, Turning Point cover. Uh, I can't remember where it was in Manchester uh, with Painted Black we were playing with Painted Black and we started uh, Darkest Before the Dawn and uh, Dan Yemen was watching and literally spat water out when we started playing it and I was like yes <laughs> I, that's that's the reaction we're after totally. he's like we, we couldn't quite believe we were playing a turning point cover and I was like yes yes we are that's so yes amazing. we are playing a turning point cover <laughs> that's so cool um the uh you know obviously like well did you sing for all these bands or like did you kind of play guitar yeah. okay you sang yeah guitar. yeah so you're yeah. you're musically untalented uh well i can play the guitar oh, but okay. i haven't played it for so long i, I mean yeah uh, at one point i could play any blink 182 song you'd care to mention <laughs> like that that was like my party trick right uh, i literally at parties I was like, <laughs> I would play it. That would be it. That's yeah, just na- name any song and it would be done. But uh, I can do it now. Right. That's so. I just love that. That's like, you know, you're you're obviously at at a high school party and people are just like, oh, James, like pick up pick up that acoustic and play M and M's. Oh, sure, no problem. That's that that I did that. That's quite funny because it is an acoustic. It wouldn't just be like a guitar. It would be like some shit acoustic. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to play M and M's. Watch me. Totally. And it it takes like a good minute for people to be like, which one? oh which one? Yeah. I got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and so, and did you always kind of, I guess, feel comfortable like singing and kind of doing that, or was that something obviously just by sheer, you know? practice it was so yeah it was sort of practice like it's the only time i've ever looked at um sort of like a a, a wanted ad for a singer and answered it it was like in college and this uh, they wanted a singer for uh, i can't remember what else they put they put thursday and thrice and i was like well and some other band i was like well i like those bands and so i like i just immediately text the the, the number i was like well i would like to do that and also it all sort of started from there Nice, nice. But it's sort of not, it's, it's not it's not anything I'd ever thought about doing before. Right. I don't know why I decided to do it that day, but right. Yeah, then, but, but that started you off. Um, yeah. Uh, and so when you uh, when you were in school and obviously like you know trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your life, like did you you know did you did you have aspirations to do anything else? I guess kind of professionally, or you always you know just kind of focused on on the music first. I uh, kind of kind of just focused on the music. I think. Just kind of like I think I wanted to be an archaeologist at one point, um, but apart from that, not really. It was always like, oh yeah, I like music, so I must work in music. So I would do an HND in music and audio technology, which is pretty much nothing really to do. Well, it is, but not sort of work in music in the way I wanted to do. It, I think so. Sort of, I didn't waste two years, but it was too <laughs> it was a good laugh of two years, but. Right. Uh, Sort of as a career, I didn't really think either. Just out, outside of music, it didn't really occur to me. Right, right. Um, and so then, you know, obviously, once once departure started to, you know, kind of play out and get together. Um, mm. Like, would you? Because it's hard for me to get an impression of like, you know, you guys's um, 
you know stature within the the music scene in regards to you know scotland and the uk like it seems like you guys are you know you do well i mean you're not you know like drawing yeah like, you're not doing like no. you know, architects numbers or anything like that no, <laughs> no. but um, but yeah it's like you, you know there there are people who it's just like oh yeah like you know we'll we'll have 100 kids and it'll be you know a really good show and it'll be super fun and people will be there for us um like when did you start to i guess recognize that people were you know paying attention to you uh, albeit maybe even on a smaller level but um when did you feel like you had a little momentum um i think i think sort of with the the release of teenage haze i think um i mean there was some people that were into the first record and stuff but i think after and then especially when uh, no sleep sort of approached us and stuff were like okay uh, <laughs> that sounds pretty that sort of came up when we uh, toured with Balance and Composure I think um, Bailey had given a record to uh, Chris at No Sleep and he seemed to be he seemed to be really into it uh, yeah so much so that he wanted to put a record out so I think I think from that because we've never seen well, especially in the UK, it's never sort of. It's always been a sort of silent majority that are sort of into a band. Sort of get a lot of like, uh, like, yeah, we really like your band, but we haven't really seen it as much. I don't think as say like more sort of popular bands would have or something. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, and the, you, you guys like you know where you exist now is obviously like you were joking to earlier you're obviously not a quote-unquote full-time band where you're like you know not working jobs and just touring all the time but yeah but obviously you still are very very active for you know probably how busy your all personal lives are as well um you know is it one of those things where obviously that's kind of the happy medium in which you guys exist in or is it one of those things where it's just like oh man like you know I wish we could all quit and just do this. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, obviously you guys wish you could just do that, but, um, like, you know, I basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, uh, you know, are, are you, I guess, are you happy with what you've achieved thus far, um, in regards to just kind of, you know, being able to do what you do with the limited time schedule that you guys have? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, well, speaking personally, I'm definitely happy with everything that we've done. Like used to like, we had, I think we had the we had the opportunity sort of to drop everything, but at that point, no no one could drop anything because we all had like like lots of responsibilities and like uh, jobs. I had I was going to start my PhD or my master's or whatever it was. Um, yeah, people like own businesses and yeah, it's kind of it just came at the wrong time. And I think, but personally speaking I was sort of past wanting to sort of rule the world sort of if that makes sense so I was kind of like I think we're quite happy where we're sitting right now if that makes sense yeah absolutely I mean I also find it interesting too because obviously you're limited by your geographical location where it's, yeah you know there's only so much touring that you could do in the UK like you know you could play like a week's worth of shows like I I so distinctly remember um, when uh, one of the bands that I played in toured with Johnny Truant. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who, what, 
what about I may have been at said gig. I did like Johnny Truant. Oh we, well, we, no, we did not. We didn't go over there. They came over here to this. Oh right, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah they played. Uh, we did like a uh, East Coast Canadian tour with them. But it was okay. Go on. Yeah, it was one of those things. Where, you know, of course, I was picking uh, Ollie. Is that the same? not not Ollie? That's right. Yeah, is it? I'm pretty sure it was Ollie. Was it not? Yeah, Ollie the singer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, we, him and I were just kind of you know I was as, asking like how the hell do you exist over in the UK? Um. And he was like, he told me that they did they one time did like a, I don't know, like a twenty two date tour in the UK. In the UK, wow. Yeah, okay. and I was like. I was like, is that even possible? Like, how do you... And he's like, no, it's not possible. We were just fucking stupid and we did it. Yeah, that's... that's That, that, that would be difficult. I mean, just um, the... We get more sort of joy touring in Europe, really, sort of. I don't know. I, I think it's because being the size of band that we are, um, it's sort of... It's, it's easier... It's easier to tour Europe, I think, because they have more sort of disposable cash given to them by their government or however it works into sort of youth community projects. And so they can spend money on any sort of bands. Like, oh, it's bands from the UK. And kids will come out to it anyway. So they can, like, spend it on that. Whereas here, the budget is so tight and, like, you can't really blame promoters for not giving uh, bands, like, food or like money or anything if there isn't because 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 there isn't any there do you know what I mean? yeah absolutely I, I i never really i mean i i knew that obviously that's that's those type of governmental programs exist in uh you know europe but um i i i guess i never considered it for obviously the uh you know advantage that you have being where it's just like oh yeah well we can hop over the pond and you know be right there as opposed to you know obviously you know bands in america you know they obviously they go to europe but you know it's definitely more of a daunting thing to be like oh we got to spend like seven grand on flights like that's a lot of money yeah you know? <laughs> yeah but um so what do you what do you personally do for work now since obviously like you're balancing your personal life with the band life and stuff like that what do you uh, what do you do uh, you know for the day job so to speak uh well i get I get paid to do my... I've got, like, a student shit to do my PhD, so I get paid to do that, and uh, I work at a sort of local hospital, just doing lots of admin type... Okay. I, I sort of file all the patients' folder... Um, yeah, sort of file all the discharges and stuff like that. That's, got it. That's what I do, yeah. Do you... Uh, so, PhD, I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a long-term commitment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How... Uh, so, what, what are you studying? Uh, I'm doing it's the reputation of the ruin throughout the 18th century so it's sort of how uh, abbeys are sort of perceived um, how they've sort of been perceived from the yeah th- throughout sort of like uh, it's difficult to explain it's sort of how how, how gothic fiction has uh, changed how people perceive ruined abbeys wow that's because the- we've got we've got a lot of them yeah, you do right. It, it, going back to the history of the country, um, yeah. is is that one of those things like you you hope to parlay that into obviously some sort of like you know education background for yourself to you know step into teaching in some way? Uh, it wasn't, but I, I, it might it might be eventually. I think um, either that or I can do research for a number of oh yeah uh, bodies because I'm quite, I'm quite that is my sort of I'm, I don't uh, tell myself as being good good at much, but. Um, I'm quite good at research so uh, and all, all the jobs that we're looking at were like oh you need a PhD and I was like oh, how can I get one of them right. and then uh, <laughs> and then because uh, I used to I, I, I joked about it with uh, Emma 
and my wife um uh the oh because i did my master's i got sort of i got a grant for that and then i was like oh i could do a phd ha 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 and but then now that is what i'm doing (laughs) i'm now in the second year of that uh so yeah hopefully i'll I'll probably end up going to teaching or something (laughs) that's cool um the uh, last two things I want to hit on before I let you go where, um, you know, this is more specifically, obviously, in regards to, you know, departures in your guys' music where, it, you know, noticing, obviously, the progression of, of records and, you know, what you guys obviously used to sound like versus what you sound like now, which, you know, theoretically isn't that different. But mm. the biggest thing that I notice is the fact that, um, you know, you're you guys are obviously like the music is full of energy um and like you guys really seem to focus on the fact that like okay like we always want to haul ass but like not in a you know like we just need to be you know doing blast beats all the time but like you know like you want momentum i I can feel that throughout all your records but like now you know especially with the last record or the latest one um is that uh it's not it's not there's more space involved, you know, like it's not a, Mm, even mm -hmm. though it's still unrelenting and like very, you know, energetic, it doesn't, um, you know, there's more subtleties involved. And I presume that's like a pretty, uh, you know, uh, narrow focus of what you guys are trying to do where it's like, okay, like let's let there be more time to, you know, for the songs to breathe or whatever it is you want to, um, you know, say about that. Um, is that, is that something that just kind of happened or is that something pretty deliberate you guys have done? Uh, I think it's, I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, especially uh, Danny's sort of the main writer. He's he's like the musical director, if you will. Um, so and so, if he'll go home and then conjure up something, and then he'll bring it into the practice studio, and we we'll all sort of work on it. Um, but I think because he hasn't listened to hardcore music for. A long, long period of time. Uh, he's sort of influenced by a lot of other different things. Um, uh, of oh God, he's into some awful music. But uh, yeah, so he, so he's sort of being influenced by a lot of different things and um, a lot less hardcore, or like a lot less something that what we wanted to like I think originally what I wanted it to be a sort of band like down to nothing <laughs> do you know what I mean right. and we've, we've come a long way from that uh, but I think it's just because of the different music that we now listen to I think right right no that makes sense I mean yeah it, it's cool when you're able to pull different to you know different influences um, and not obviously just be able to rely on you know one or two people's musical vision when it's like yeah you can you know, even though you guys are writing it from the perspective of being a hardcore band, the person who creates all of the music doesn't, you know, consume that, and that's that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think so. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, you know the last thing I want to hit on? What's I mean, this obviously is you know political in nature, but I find so interesting in the fact that you know, like with obviously Brexit and everything that uh, you know erupted around. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the only reason I'm asking you is because I I have such a um, a difficult time. I guess, kind of understanding um, theoretically, like what, um, you know, whatever. I'm obviously going to, you know, do a lot of generalizations here in regards to like our music scene, but, you know, like obviously our music scene tends to, you know, be very progressive and sort of left wing. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I, 
I can't tell like how our you know our music scene has either embraced or rejected that idea. Like I don't know if you can like you know maybe maybe add a little clarity to my head in regards to like you know does is was the punk scene for or against like Brexit? I can't I just can't personally tell. I mean and not like I ex- not like I expect you to be the definitive voice behind it, but I'm just like I said I'm just more curious than anything else. Um, because I haven't well I haven't been to as many shows as I would have liked to have been um, for ages but most definitely from online everywhere it was definitely against it on so so many levels because some of the main reasons for it were like immigration and uh, well that, that was the main thing I think there was a lot of not because it's difficult to say because people are like oh everyone that would leave was a racist but that that that's just not true I think uh, the people that there were a segment of people who were sort of xenophobic who thought um, who did it essentially just because they thought the, the the Polish family next door would leave if they voted brexit which is which is just not the case but it was what was being touted by the sun along with many other rags like the daily mail and stuff like that so like oh there's the the let's let's take britain back and it's like where are we taking it back to exactly um (laughs) like where at what point at what point in the past is is the perfect place to take Britain back to? Um, sure. And then it happened. I remember I, I sat up to watch it and I sort of fell asleep and then woke up to Nigel Farage doing some sort of victory speech at four a.m. and it was genuinely like waking up inside a nightmare. I couldn't I couldn't quite believe it. It was yeah, it was, it was horrible. I just felt horrible. It was like right, just ugh. Mm. Yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate the color because, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, obviously, there are so many people that, uh, you know, are comparing that sort of, uh, you know, the, the discontent within the context of why that happened with obviously what's happening over here in America as far as our presidential election is concerned, where it's like, you know, yeah. people tap into feelings as opposed to like actual data. Actual facts. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that was it. It was just, there was, there was just, the, it was a massive poster and it just had lots of people on it and it was like I can't remember what it said oh, I can't remember but I mean Nigel Farage stood next to it smiling like a uh, yeah. a horrible human although today I read that apparently Morrissey was uh, he said that the result was magnificent or something <laughs> Oh, I, I'm I'm shocked. Morrissey has an opinion on something. Oh, man, <laughs> I mean, I am just obsessive, and it's getting less and less, and it's it's really sad. It's really sad. Of like Morrissey, I love you, but what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because I mean, I I have a colored perspective because I for years I worked at PETA, and obviously he's a huge animal rights supporter. Um, oh yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like. You know the amount of people that obviously look at what he does as being positive, and then the amount of people who you know basically worship at his altar, but they're like, oh yeah, anytime he speaks or like does anything that expresses his own personal opinion, I just don't listen to him. And it's just like that's so wild that obviously he has you know built himself up to be such a divisive person. But it's like, well, you know, if he's putting some good out there, like obviously from a musical perspective, then you know keep on doing what you're doing. Obviously, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of this. Well, no, I understand. We could probably do a whole other podcast on that, but you know, we don't. We don't, we don't need to open that can of worms. Ah, <laughs> uh, sad. I do love him though. Yes, I understand. I mean, I love him through through his Brexit loving. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, uh, James, honestly, I really, really appreciate you sharing all this. And, uh, yeah, thank you for le- allowing me to be a dumb American and ask uh, certain questions about, <laughs> y- about your country that you might might have felt Ill- ill-equipped to answer, but you did a great job oh, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope it made some sort of sense. No, you did. I, I, like I said, I really appreciate it. So thanks for doing this, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Definitely. Thank you very much. Righto. What was I going to try to do, like a British accent, even though James is Scottish? Oh, man, I'm so bad. I, I'm so glad that I never had the burning desire to, like, be an actor or, like, you know, an improvisationalist because I just would fall so flat in my face. But anyways, that's besides the point. The point is, thank you, James. Thank you for wanting to do this episode. And thank you to Danny, the guitarist of Departures, who helped put two and two together. And like I said, listen to Danny's episode because he has a uh, unbelievable story. He's actually a survivor of cancer as well. And so, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that. But please check out Departures because they're incredible. And speaking of things to check out, please, please, the music that is supplied for this podcast is from an artist called Lowercase Noises. If you like all the twinkly, atmospheric stuff that I use as my intro and ad music and all that stuff, please find his stuff on the internet. You can find it on Bandcamp, Facebook, anywhere else you discover music. Please do that because uh, his music is incredible and he's got a lot of it that you will uh, thank me later for getting you into and uh the guest next week is mr jake ewald which i'm fairly certain i'm butchering his last name and i will probably continue to do that as the episode goes along next week but uh he is the guitarist for modern baseball and he also does a solo project called slaughter beach comma dog (laughs) i just love that i always like to say the word comma even though it's just actually signified there so it should be slaughter beach dog So, um, yeah, but uh, we had a great discussion, and I can't wait to share it with you next week. So, anyways, hope your 2017 is uh, better than what it was last year, even though it's only a couple days into it. But, um, yeah, I love all of you, and please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.